All right, this is a really great episode we have here. Um, we talk about Karen. Who is Karen? Why is it being discussed that people are Karen right now? Is Karen the same as the N-word? It's not. But why do people think that? This seems silly, but really we're talking about why people think that Karen is the same as the N-word. What the entitlement involved in being a Karen means? Who is being harmed by Karen when someone is describing someone as Karen? What is it called? Is it an insult? A slur? A nickname? Um, and, you know, this all seems silly, and we have fun of this conversation, but we really want to talk about why it's important that we understand who these people are who are being described as such. On this episode, we bring back two guests from earlier episodes, Kelly Wright, who you heard talking about real estate and racism, and Maureen Cossie, who was talking about white supremacy online. You heard them perhaps uh, perhaps back in December or January in some other episodes. And we just really wanted to talk about Karen. So you're going to listen to us talk. After this, hope you enjoy. Okay, folks. So I have some wonderful people back with me once again, and some folks who are new who may or may not pop in, but uh, I'll have them introduce themselves. They are people who may be familiar to you if you've listened to this before, and then we will start talking about the topic of the day. So since this is just the way that the screen looks in front of me, Maureen, why don't you bring yourself back in first? Hi everyone, I'm Maureen Cossey. I'm a PhD student at uh, the University of Colorado at Boulder. Um, and I'm from Centennial, Colorado, which you all might not know this, um, but actually uh, Centennial, Colorado is where the very first Karen asked to speak to the manager. Yes, you. Okay, hi, um, I am Kelly Wright. I am a PhD candidate at the University of Michigan. Um, yeah, I research cursing. <laughs> and there are others here um maybe you want to introduce yourselves or maybe you can just introduce yourselves if you say something because then if you, i feel like if you introduce yourself and then you never say anything it'd be a little odd but we would love to have the contributions of everyone else who is listening at any point so do feel free to join in if you just have something that you really want to say okay so we need to talk about karen uh, I've, I pat myself on the back because I think that title is clever. But uh, what we're talking about is Karen as a, let's say, an epithet or, or uh, just a, a, I don't even know what to call it, nickname. What, what should we call Karen? Because slur is not what we should call it. So what should we call Karen? Oh, really? Well, actually, I don't, I don't even know how to describe what Karen is in this day. What would you call something that points out a power relationship or someone exploiting a power relationship? But yeah, from, but from from the other. Yeah, yeah like a, it's not like an anti-slur, but like <laughs> it's definitely like it's I don't know. It's a response to something, not something that was um, instigated particularly to persecute this type of person. So actually. Part of what I'm thinking now is our struggle to actually give it a succinct description might be why they're resorting to calling it a slur, or part of why. Because we can't say, no, it's not a slur, it's, and then we got to think about it. And in that second that we think about it, they jump in and they're like, it's a slur. Um, it's not that it's our fault, <laughs> but it's, it's like, because this is something that people have not as we're going to talk about, used for many years to oppress people and therefore was very intentionally designed and placed upon people, uh, we are just figuring out how to describe it through the discourse and they have a however many hundred year head start on their slurs. So we, you know, because they have that language of slur and this, you know, they, they're going to fall back on that while we're figuring out what to call it. But I don't know. Let's just say it's a nickname for the moment. But uh, yeah, so Karen, there's uh, this discourse, this argument, this 
we'll call it internet kerfuffle um, over the last month or so. Probably one of the most prominent places that it came from, there was a tweet by Julie, is it, it's either Bindle or Bindel. You will Google it and you will figure it out for yourselves. Uh, and <laughs> she said, does anyone else think that the Karen slur, there it is, slur, is woman-hating and based on class prejudice? Now, Kelly, perhaps you would like to describe what people mean when they use the word Karen. And then we can talk about why what this person said was very wrong. Okay, so um, so Karen, um, I guess, okay. So what is a slur? I guess the question, how to answer that question is part of why, another part of why this is an interesting discussion is because we all sort of decide that for ourselves. So we decide which words are the worst words, which words we never want to be called, and which words we will never let fall out of our mouths, right? That's like a personal adult decision. Um, and so maybe Karen is the absolute worst word you can possibly think of, and it's the worst thing that you could possibly call. My don't you live a charmed life. Let's move on. Okay. So um, we were um, talking about this uh, a little bit beforehand, and Maureen brought up... Um, what I feel is the, the, the perfect place in the literature to point to this. Um, Asif Aga talks about characterological figures. Um, and that's what Karen is. It's the same thing as like, we can think of lots of those. Like Santa is a characterological figure. He has a, a, a you know, a, a demeanor, right? And certain He's things go along with his behavior. He's very jolly, right? Is it kind to children, etc.? cetera? Um, in movies also very mean. Um, but um, Karen, we we she's like a it's like a mythology you know it's it this is a this is a white woman she's middle class and she acts a certain way maybe she has a certain haircut she is not jolly yeah. she and and she, who does she always want to speak to yeah she wants to speak to the manager right yeah. and that yeah that phrasing wants to speak to the manager right now that is the thing about why karen became a thing is the actual word is it's just a, a, a I guess a name that is more common for for white women than it is for other people right that's the same with other words that people use like a Susan or something there's always that person who when we talk about Karen they're like well actually everyone I know whose name is Karen isn't white and I'm like please stop that's not the point, sir. Um, <laughs> it's like, like I have a black friend named Chad. This is not the point. <laughs> um, but whatever. But when you are saying, I want to speak to the manager, who are you talking to? You're not talking to the manager, right? You're talking to a, a, a frontline staff or whatever it is at a store or wherever you are, right? That person is not always, depending on where you live, but often a person of color right? Or, you know, and or working class. I mean, could be one, could be the other, could be both, right? Uh, you are unlikely to be rolling in money and have the manager called to help you. Um, and so when people in this position have had this happen to them enough, as if to say they've heard, let me speak to the manager, I need to speak to the manager enough, you know, characteristics get built up and they turn into the mythological creature of Karen. You know, some, I've heard other people call it Brenda or whatever, but, you know, I've also heard that Brenda is more specifically a multi-level marketing owner woman. So, you know, the, the names, they have different characteristics. Um, and then Karen is also, from what I've read in the discourse, a certain age, she's more 30s to 40s than like younger, right? For younger women, it's more Becky and, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. But that's that's sort of what Karen is. Now, the tweet in the first place Ah, wait a second. <laughs> we have had some advice here. The wiki says that Karen is a meme or an archetype. Archetype is a good way to describe it. Um, so yeah, Karen is definitely an archetype. And all of us here know exactly who Karen is when she is referred to. Let's put it that way. Um, so the, like saying, the original tweet was saying, does anyone else think the Karen slur is woman hating and based on class and prejudice? right? So all of that is bad and wrong, but (laughs) 
the we can we can look at all the things we talked about the slur part already and we'll talk a little bit more about it but like part of what's interesting about it is that she asks if it is based on class prejudice right now as we just discussed and either of you when i'm asked these questions can jump in we are not speaking of someone who is working class or poor right we're speaking of someone who is middle class or above so in that sense, it's not what we would usually think of as class prejudice. It's some sort of other thing, right? Like a reverse class prejudice. So I don't know if you all have thoughts on the class prejudice aspect of the tweet and the conversation um, as to who is therefore being offended by this term is a certain class of people as well. Yeah, go ahead. You have to unmute yourself. Yeah, I was like, I just like slapped the space bar and it didn't work. Um, but yeah, um, thinking about class relationships um, and names. Wow, this is going to sound really awkward. No, I was thinking actually about another um, person I was reading before this. I promise I won't get too snooty um, and academic, but um, Barbara Dansajir, I think is how you say her name. Um, talks about how names, like proper names, can be stand-ins for events or things, um, like as a metonym for the event. And I think of, like, Karen as representing these sets of really unacceptable behaviors that are born out of this kind of, like, I'm a half or one step above you uh, in socioeconomic class. Um, or, you know, you're especially like this is pro more profound for workers of color but I remember when I worked at Hobby Lobby and that's like live laugh love Karen Central um like there are people who just love to kick uh whoever they perceive to be a step below them and I like Karen is so emblematic of all of those behaviors yeah I definitely agree I think about a other names that operate in a similar way like like Pedro or like Ahmed or like something. I mean, you think about like post 9-11, it was like those, there was this whole new set of names that referred to like Middle Eastern people. Um, it definitely rose up from an event where it's like a way to make reference to a certain kind of like event or behavior without actually speaking about it. Um, I think the prejudice thing is interesting. I can understand why people feel like it's prejudice because they know how words like this work, right? like you know how the n-word works you know that it calls out a group of people you know that it's used to make that group of people feel bad and you're you've been called out and you feel bad so you think it's the same <laughs> um but la labeling isn't prejudice i mean it's like you that's like this is like marking the unmarked it's like the whole thing of like do, do does a fish know it's wet it's like do white women know that they're white like not always <laughs> um and yeah these are behaviors that are part and parcel to white privilege it's like i'm not prejudiced against you because structural <laughs> i i don't actually have the power to be prejudiced against you i'm just calling i'm just calling you what you are i'm marking you and yeah it's not a kind action um but it doesn't make it prejudice right do white women know that they're white i mean i would say and maureen can offer her thoughts in a moment on this for sure. I would say white women, they, they're aware that they would check that box off on the census, but I'm not sure how many of them know that they're white and what that actually means. Do you, do you, you see what I'm saying? Like they're, they are aware of what they're supposed to say that they are for ethnicity or whatever, which is not the same as race, but that's the point. Uh, but I'm not sure that they even consider themselves as having a race. The same way that when I was a kid, I was told that whiteness means there's no color and blackness means all of the colors are in one place or something like that. Um, so basically. Uh, so Maureen, I mean, do you think white women know that they're white? I, I think that there are very few white women who would identify, um, how they feel as being located in whiteness. Of course, I have to say that in the weirdest way possible, but like, um, I, like it's, um, you know, I feel like, um, in, when it comes down to it, they do. Um, they know that if in the right situation, like you think about the vast amount of white women who have just claimed that they were, who did something irresponsible or they did something awful or like 
I'm not going to go to too true crime on us, but who like have hurt children and done things like that. And then they're like, oh, it was a Mexican man. It was a black man who came into my house. And like, they know, they know that um, even without having to say it explicitly, that there is a hierarchy in which uh, they're perceived as fragile and perceived as pure a more pure than any other cultural group i'd argue is the united states like held up on that pedestal you know and but at the same time i think there is something to having an unmarked identity and not having um or having very few marginalized axes of your identity where you don't necessarily get exposed to just like the profound dehumanization of experiencing a slur and so when you have your feelings hurt um I feel like just the ubiquity of unmarkedness creates a callousness. It's like those studies that show that like wealthy people have less empathy um, towards poor people. I think in the same way, uh, privilege gives you, it allows people to construct themselves as blind. Um, I'm blind is not the word I want here, but they allow them, they allows them to construct themselves as ignorant. Um, so it's like, it's just constantly um, white people are always giving themselves a pass to pretend that they never saw race in the first place. Well, the thing about the blind thing, because I know that, you know, calling people colorblind is both not a great thing to do and also inaccurate because they can see things. Uh, but construct themselves as blind is actually still interesting because they're telling themselves that they can't see, but they, they, can, they of course they can. Uh, so, you know, like, so, yeah, colorblindness is, is both inaccurate and not fair to people who actually have vision issues but uh telling yourself that you can't see when what you're doing is avoiding it is actually pretty close to describing what they're doing uh the um keeps i don't want to just like other kelly has told us that uh insult is another way that karen is used and that actually makes sense because there is a difference between an insult and a slur everybody can be insulted right We've all been insulted, and it may not have anything to do with uh, our identity, uh, you know. And uh, but a slur is is you know there there's oppression involved, right? There's power involved, and I think that also uh, there's also I think the way that things are covered in in the news, where because rightfully so, they don't always want to quote the N word or something like that in a news piece. What you hear, or they don't want to quote slurs against women or slurs against, you know, LGBTQ individuals. Um, they will say, hey, homophobic slur, hey, you know, racial slur, right? And because sometimes, like, you don't necessarily need to be reading that. Um, now, there's times when they're just being mealy mouthed. But what that means is they don't really have to think about what the words are. <laughs> so, everything that's like it's tied to some sort of identity therefore it's a slur uh because slur the word is just so quick at people's tongues the word slur so i think that that's where they i think that's part of you know contributing to how slur becomes what they think everything is um so i don't know what you all think about that but yeah go ahead you can i just don't want to butt in um but oh shoot i already like I am so quick to lose my train of thought. I think the biggest thing, um, the biggest difference to me um, is that a Karen chooses to be a Karen, um, whereas somebody calls you a slur. Somebody makes you into a slur. Um, And people can reclaim that and people can, um, you know, do things to take back power. But that's like what a slur represents is taking taking power away from somebody um, symbolically. And so like Karen is like, I'm calling you Karen because you're mean and you're disrespectful and you think that you have a, more of a right to be in this space than I do. And so like, um, I think that's like teasing out kind of what kinds of words represent traits about people that they can't change and that are assigned to them by people who are more powerful than they are and things that hurt my feelings. <laughs> and it's funny because it's like, I feel like the crowd that's always talking about snowflakes and hurt feelings is like the one that's really up in arms about the Karen thing. Of course. It, yeah. It's like, they're always saying, you know, these people are snowflakes and then the people kneel in the football field and they have a problem. Um, <laughs> the, what I thought was something interesting in there is 
uh oh my train of thoughts is is not it's not going well here but i had like a thing that i was gonna say based on what you said um oh choosing to be right so karen or any of the other terms like a becky or something like that those are associated not just with the identity but with an action right it's a person within a certain group who does a thing right we have described the actions that are associated with karen Right. But there was, you know, over the last year or so before we've all been inside, there was all of these stories of usually white women calling the police on some nonsense. Right. Yeah. Um, were you about to say something on that or? Yeah. Um, I was about to say the same thing is yeah. like, she's the one, you know, that they're all memes, right? It's like that lady with the phone. Yeah. It's just like standing there. You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. You did this. I'm not, I didn't make you, you did this. And they all and they all have a um, um, alliterative name, right? I think the first one was like was, was either Barbecue Becky or Barbecue Brenda, right? The one with the phone, right? There was Corner Store Caroline, which actually happened in the neighborhood where I grew up, um, and like yeah, and it was in like in in Flatbush in Brooklyn, um, and you know there's there's a whole bunch of them, right? And people are being funny, but they're also calling it like and part of the fact that these names are unlike. Um, uh, uh, like an Ahmed or something like that, which is much more closely associated with certain groups. When people point out, you know, I have a black uh, a black friend named Karen. It's because these are, you know, majoritized names, and therefore they aren't only associated with the group. So we're sort of placing them on the group in a way. You know, there's we're giving ourselves agency that that they have not given us. But what what Maureen mentioned about being associated with uh, a thing that someone's doing um, is interesting because one of the ways that I think people tend to misunderstand slurs is when the oppressors use the slurs in their head, although they would not admit this a lot of the time, um, they are associating it with an action, right? You know, People are called the N-word because they're, you know, be, being in their mind lazy or, you know, all of the hundreds of years. It's never just been like the, they always have a justification for it in their head. They never just do it. Right. There's always something that makes it OK for them to do that. Right. Oh, you know, something as, as terrible as like they tried to vote. I don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they were uppity. Right. Or something like that. Right. Or, or whatever. It's it's always something that they chose. So therefore, they probably feel that the Karen or whatever other name is not too different because it's associated with an action. But the problem there, the difference, in my view at least, and you all can say what you think after this, is that we have been told, at least, you know, speaking of Black people, have been told for however many years that, okay, well, if you just choose these things, then you won't be an N-word anymore, right? You know, if you get your degree and you go and you make your money and then you'll be able to escape being called that and then there's be some other people over there and you're not them anymore. But the point is, of course, with the slur, is that you can't escape, right? You could just not be a Karen by not being a jerk, you know? Uh, but you can't escape the box of slurs because that is associated with an immutable identity. And that's, I think the main, like one of the main differences. Um, but they don't seem to, they don't get that they, they don't know that they're always associating their slurs with an action. So when we associate an insult with an action, they see it as a slur. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, I really think um, this thing about actions is really important because, so I have, like last summer, I had a really long conversation with a friend, a white friend who was like, the word cracker offends me. I think it's horrible. It's as bad as the N-word. Um, it's the white N-word, right? And I'm like, it's not. <laughs> like, it's valid that you hate it. Like, you've been called that and it's, it's shitty. Like, I agree. Um, but it is very much a word that's associated with an action. It was a word that we use because people were cracking whips over our bodies. So like, that's what it comes from. Like you were participating in our act of oppression, probably whipping us at the same time, yelling the N-word. And so it's not and the associating same. associating the N-word with some action we were doing. Yeah. And it's not the same. And that's the thing is like, um, 
the idea of like when I call you that when when you use a slur you do invoke like this image of the person because it doesn't just come with labeling you or it comes with putting you in a in a box like you said it's like it's this whole societal box that not only tells me how you're supposed to act and think and what you believe but also how I'm supposed to act towards you now that I've put you in this box and I mean we do this that kind of action with other words like rapist <laughs> right or like a sexual predator or something is like I've put you in this group you're in this box now and now society treats you in a certain way and you're supposed to act a certain way because if you're just like walking down the street that could be a crime like so it's it's very much like it's part of how we use words to operate socially um but I think insult is the perfect place to put it because it's very much more like I'm just I'm just trying to take some power back by calling you an asshole. It's like the same way that I would use any other word in that anything that you could think of as an insult, they definitely fall in the same place. Any, and there are other words that, that call out other races and groups that work that way, right? I mean, you get like, I mean, just, there's so many. I mean, they go back for forever. I mean, like Sambo and Jimmy and like, lots of words for women too, right? Like, anyway, I just think like, we've been doing this. It's just like, welcome white women. You were the, la you were the untouched group. And now you're here, you have your word, and just participate in the world. <laughs> right. Um, and maybe if you make something of yourself, you won't be a Karen anymore. <laughs> That's what they told us. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I think that um, what makes a, a, a difference really is the ability to opt in and out, right? They can't, uh, we can't opt out of actual slurs, you know, we can pretend, we can hide, we can try to do everything in our power, but it doesn't matter. That's the point of the oppression. We can't get out. Um, and they, you, like all that, you can even sit in your head and be mad and want to talk to the manager. It's saying it. <laughs> it's, it's like being, you know, it's being a jerk to the people who are actually there. You can go ahead and have your angry thoughts in your head. It's taking those thoughts out on the people that make you that way. I, you know people think a lot of things i don't really care what they think but, but it's the action like just just keep it to yourself it's the entitlement of telling someone that what they're doing you know they're not they don't have the authority they don't have the power and i'm going to remind you how little power you have right that that is literally reminding people that they don't have as much power as you do is almost textbook what literal oppression literally is you know um you know, there's there's something a little bit specific about Karen with compared to like a Becky or something like that, because tell me if you agree or disagree on this, but the impression I tend to get from the way the words are used is that there's, maybe this is because of the Beyonce thing, but uh, there's more of a like relationship element to the Becky thing, interpersonal relationship. They're not necessarily going to the manager. They're sort of careless about the way they treat people of different groups as opposed to getting in your face, which is not better, by the way. The, it, the impact is the same. But I think the idea, and someone had a, a meme recently that said that had pictures of like Tommy Lauren as Becky and then like Megan Kelly was Karen or something like just showing like they start off just over here clueless and they, you know, whatever. And then they mature into this hardened, angry person who really wants to show everybody everything. And then at a certain point, they just ossify or something like that. So that's the impression I get from the, you know, the evolution of the names over time is that Becky is more. I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a, a carefree uh, insinuation to it. I don't know. What do you think? Becky's kind of like Karen from Mean Girls, but Karen's <laughs> not a Karen. Right. That was, that was the best I had to offer. Um, I think Becky is probably, when I was younger, it, it was the far too long string of white women I went out with who would always tell me I was the first black guy they went out with. I was just like, thanks. Not sure what I'm supposed to do with that information. Um, <laughs> it's so. like the scale of ignorance to malevolence, like Becky to, to Karen. Yeah. Um, and I think 
what people have showed with the meme is that like it just sort of hardens over time um and you know there's there is a if there was a, a way to feel any sympathy there for someone who's doing it what i think might happen is in this archetypal evolution from someone who's more becky type to more of a karen type uh things don't matter as much at that age for people. And they're, they're, these people are all middle class or above. So like, you, you know, obviously they're not out there in a situation where they're in a whole lot of stress in that way, but uh, things don't matter as much. And then they get to be 30 something, 40 something they are. And this is, you know, these are archetypes. So they're married, they do certain things and they probably don't have as much power in their lives as they want to. So they have to take it out on these other people. This is, I'm now painting a fictional picture of this character, but this is, I think, how it happens. And, like, there would be a way to feel sorry for that if they weren't taking it out on people who had less power. <laughs> you know, like, it would be sad. And, and, you know, the same way that I would feel really bad for what horrible things must have happened to the president to make him how he is if he wasn't actually doing all of this. So, like, like if he wasn't actually doing this, it would just be a very sad story. But... So the thing, I don't really, I don't know what to do about this nonsense. I mean, they can just be mad, you know, whatever. There's that. They could just be mad, right? I'm okay with that. But if it's actually going to be a discussion that people have, then I think that people who work with and on language need to be part of the conversation. I think this is a situation where people who do the things that we do should be heard from i because i bet you on some local tv station there have been discussions about karen i haven't seen it they have there's been stuff going on in new york let's put it that way but uh i bet there's been some places where there's less of this going on although it's happening they're just pretending otherwise um in fact i bet it's just karen up and down at all those reopen everything marches but, you know, um, in fact, that's an interesting thing to talk about because I, I don't think that you could go to one of those things and yell with no mask and be anything other than a Karen. I mean, I think that's just very Karen behavior to be going and yelling at people and saying, it doesn't matter. I just want to go back to work for some reason. Uh, so. Yeah, I guess I really think about like, it is conversations like this where I'm like, we can intervene. Hold on. There's a whole field. There are several fields. There are many experts. Um, just listen to us, please, because we do the nerdy work for you. Um, yeah, the, the statement that Karen is the new N-word, it's like the statement itself violates your argument because you have put it in equivalency with something that you won't actually say or spell. And so if it won't, and there is, very, very little that we will not say or spell. Very, very little. The list is short, right? And so because of that, it's obviously not the same. Um, and you can't call it the K-word because we already have one of those. It's true. So, I don't, so. It's one of the few things that we won't say. <laughs> yeah, and it's also another one of those things that we very much don't say. Uh, so in teaching, a lot of people, I guess, especially younger people, are not aware of that word which is great. There are a lot of them, you know, that people that I heard when I was growing up that don't exist for people anymore. And that's wonderful. Um, but yeah, that's part of it is just like, there's a reason why some words are worse than others. And it, and it operates in a way that is really, I hope fascinating for people because it's how all words get their meaning in (laughs) like conversation with others and in reference to the world the built environment that you live in it's like it sounds like I'm being an asshole but I think it's one of the most amazing things in the world it's what keeps me doing my work right and so I want to talk to people about it they're just so mad they're just so mad and I mean I guess like if somebody if I was like don't call me a bitch or don't call me the c-word or whatever and people were like no let me sit you down and tell you why it's not actually about the oppression of women and I'm like no women are super oppressed that's like um, you know I would I would maybe not want to listen so I don't know how we start a good conversation except 
I feel like a lot of people are making great arguments. I mean, being like online and seeing the comments, you do see people being like, because you haven't been impressed forever, like just over and over and over again. And that really is the key point. It's like, it's that bad because we treated people that want that particular group that it singles out by the n-word because they're making the comparison not me i didn't set that up right is like i mean because they were so systematically oppressed and still are that's why it's not as bad i think you know because my my existential question always with all of this stuff is like how do you get people to listen who don't want to listen you know what i'm saying it's one thing to, if someone is interested in listening they just don't have the information right but people who want to listen and don't have information usually seek it out they may not get it but they they, they you know they're people who um like are they, maybe they don't have the terminology right maybe they just simply haven't come across it because they don't go to school for this stuff right so they don't have the you know all you know, lexical this and all they, they don't know that right um and that's that's most people right but they're open to it you know and that's easy that's great right you know, it's like, oh, well, let me tell you all the things that I have learned. Um, and then I think part of the issue is that their uh, Karens uh, are, they, they're, you know, set in their ways. Um, and they're not necessarily people who are anywhere close to, to school, not just because it's been a while. Not that you can't be in school at any age, but these people have not. Um, and so you know, maybe you can work on Becky, but uh, <laughs> it might be a little bit harder to work on someone who's so so ingrained in this identity that they, if you're going up to people and saying, I want to speak to a manager like regularly, uh, then it's, it's, uh, it's going to be hard. Because also, if that's part of your identity, you, you don't, do that and then go, oh, I, I hated having to do that. I just, it's just, just made it ruin my day. No, you do it because you like doing it, right? You, you want to speak to the manager because you want to be able to say that you got to speak to them. It's just happened to me, like I've mentioned beforehand, on, at the senior center a lot. I don't even mean the racial slur thing, but the, like, at the senior center, we work different shifts right? You know, morning, afternoon, evening. And uh, they, the biggest conflict at the senior center was lunch. So <laughs> it was just that there were too many people coming in at the same time. And so I had to be like, we, you need to wait. You need to wait. And then sometimes if there were too many people, we would run out of food. It wasn't, they didn't live there. So like you, they could, you could get food. It's just, you had to come by a certain time. And sometimes we didn't have enough food. So I, you know, I, and often at lunch, my coworkers for some reason would just sort of let me handle things. Cause I don't know, they were closer friends with each other than they were with me. But um, it meant that they would get mad and they would say they needed to speak to the manager. And I'm like, there's no manager. You talk, just talk. There's no, there's no one above me. It's Saturday. No one is in the building over there. So, and then with the fact when they couldn't go above my head, they couldn't go above his head, I and then they would leave. And it was like, all right, well, I guess that's resolved. Um, but they, that indignation, like how do you fight indignation? Like that is, that is just very hard to fight, you know, because it's one thing if Karen is sitting in a room and you're just having a conversation, they, she might get mad. But if they're already indignant, indignant then i don't know how i think you just had to let them you know let them let their steam off and then talk to them another time because it's not gonna you're not gonna get anywhere and that's a shame because like if you're letting them let their steam out then they're doing the oppressing because that they're letting their steam off on other people you know and that's where the harm comes in they can be mad in their house if they want to but if they're in people's faces or on the phone or whatever you know, that's where the dehumanization, that's where the linguistic violence or literal violence comes in. Um, and that's what worries me because by the time some Karen realizes the error of her ways, how many people have been left in her wake already? How many managers have been called for no reason? You know? Uh, and I wonder, and I, I strongly doubt it, I wonder if this whole thing will make them 
kinder to people who are out there working, but I'm actually, they're probably being even worse. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, I, these sort of situations, not that there have been that many that are exactly like this, if, you know, but like you tend to see people act better or worse. People don't tend to, nobody comes out of this exactly the same. And that, that means like not all Karens are going to come out of this shining beacons of goodness. You know, a lot of them are going to get even more hardened in their ways. And that's one of the things I've been thinking about this whole time is like, there are going to be a lot of people who really want to make things better. And there's going to be a lot of people who just want to make things even worse. And I am scared for all of the frontline workers, not just because of this, but because of Karen, <laughs> you know, who's, you know, maybe not, now the stores are reopening in places and Karen's going to be out there getting them six. That's a whole situation. I think that's also like um, one of the most insidious things about white supremacy, especially like, cause we've been talking about how it's like, literally quite low, like coded into our legal system um, and the ways that it influences the way that we think in general is just like the entitlement that shows up. It's this exact same thing. Like, I don't, sorry, I feel like I'm taking it to 10. I'm not saying Karens are school shooters, but it's the same kind of thing. It's like, if you um, read those, like, I'm sorry, I am a garbage person, but if you read, you know, a manifesto, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, how dare that person speak to me that way? And that's, really um like the the folks uh who wanted the food like there is this sense of like you are not the person to tell me no and they might not recognize that out of um you know maybe they might not identify that as a an opaque sense of superiority but that's where it is is the expectations that we have in other people and like yeah i just that's the i think one of the um, most insidious parts of white supremacy as i said before it's just how it um seeps into especially white people's expectations of how they're supposed to be treated and it's just intolerable to not be um given the luxury of being an individual um and treated as you know i don't hate the snowflake discourse but it really it's like you're a snowflake karen you really want people to like treat you as an individual while you can treat everyone else as though they're, they're one monolith i um i'm oh, sorry kelly we're gonna Oh, no, it's so true. I don't, I honestly don't think that bringing up a manifesto is like going way out of left field because if, if, if like people have read them, um, I mean, they very much are, you're not going to take orders from women. You're not going to take orders from Jews, from brown people, from this, from that, right? Like take your power back, white person. I mean, that's like, it's very much that's very much how they read. Um, and that's what we, that's what we see that, that's that part of the, dis, the part of the discourse that like Karen behavior and by discourse, I'm talking about like social interaction that Karen is participating in is on a spectrum that ends with the Christchurch shooter that ends with, you know, Aurora, Colorado, like that isn't a, that is not a leap <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, and that's the thing is like, we've been talking a lot about how this is connected to whiteness and, I, and it is, but I think that it, it is like this entitlement, like if we're drilling down to like what Karen is singling out, Karen doesn't have to be a white woman for me. I could be like, don't be like that. And as like someone who has worked in a, multiple service industries, I worked in a hotel, I, I cooked in a restaurant for a long time. Um, there have been people who have treated me that way who are not white people. Um, and so it is, it is a class thing. It is like an I deserve this thing. And I really do think it has a lot to do with the fact that like, if you, if you're like intersectional being is not checking off a lot of marginalized boxes, like if you're just a woman, but you're also like straight and able-bodied and like cishet and like all this other stuff and like, you know, like, yeah, when, when, when somebody insults you or pushes against you because of those, like those identities, like that's tough. Like it is tough. I think that that's sort of the, that's the step forward is to recognize like there is harm here like actions, linguistic actions like this are harmful. Um, it doesn't make you <laughs> oppressed, but in the moment, in that, in that rhetorical space, like having your behaviors called out and like a label placed on you because of them, that's, that sucks. Um, and then just be like, how do you think black people actually do feel? I feel like, um, it's like, it's not a productive, <laughs> it's not productive, but it's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think all this stuff, 
you know, these, these, these insults are like, or praxis, you know, there's just, I think, you know, the praxis of insults, I don't know. Um, but because I've certainly, I'm not going to name the people that I may be related to who have probably done this sort of thing. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, and I think it may be because here's the thing. I think these women tend to be middle or upper middle class, but I don't know that they are super wealthy, right? They're usually, from what I'm understanding, they're usually a or two steps above the people who are in front of them, right? If they're super wealthy, they're not in the damn store. So like, you know, they sent somebody else over there to do it or they ordered it or something like that, you know? Um, And they're not in the store. So the people are one or two steps above them and it is much easier, maybe not in the United States, but it is possible for them to have been, if not working class, you know, in a different position at some other point. And, you know, we all know that there are people who pull people up behind them on the ladder and people who cut the ladder off behind them, right? So if there's someone, and this is where I think it can come in for people who aren't white, especially, is if there's someone who grew up in a tough situation and then they have more money now and they attribute that to personal responsibility and the bootstrapping and all of this, then, you know, they can look at this person and think, especially if, if they're not like a child or something and think, why haven't you bootstrapped yourself? You know, you, and it's, it's probably, it's not like they're having six, you know, linked thoughts or something like that, but you know, they're just jumping from step one to step seven. But um, the uh, there's this whole deservedness thing going on. Right. And it's like, I deserve what I want here, which is, I don't know, to, to go in um, or to get certain things at, at this time in this way that I want it. And you do not deserve the right to tell me no. I have, I'm comparing this to my unscientific and therefore probably incorrect, but whatever, um, observations on the mask stuff here um, around New York. And you know, I, here's the problem is I'm not always paying attention. So I'm usually only paying attention when I want to make a point, but I have observed that there are a hell of a lot more people who aren't wearing masks who are white, right. Uh, than otherwise. And not just out in the street, because theoretically, if you're 25 feet away from people, I guess it doesn't really matter that much. But like when we went to Home Depot a couple of weeks ago, Two weeks ago? I don't know. Recently. We had to get some curtains. And you still needed some curtains. The store is open. They wait you in a big line outside, you know, however many feet apart. And the sign says you can't come in unless you have a mask or a face cover. Right? And so we had ours waiting in the line. And they're like, the only people who don't have masks on are white. And I'm thinking, (laughs) I was... My wife had, had the baby and I had the dog, so I couldn't go in, right? So I'm just waiting with the dog and I'm keeping him from trying to run in the store because he wants to protect the baby at all times. And uh, we get to the, and I'm so, basically I see the people approaching the front door, not wearing masks and they're white. And I'm thinking something's going to happen. I would like to see what happens here. Oh boy. But these were white women of a certain age and nothing occurred. And I was just like, I didn't get to see a confrontation. This is disappointing. But <laughs> I also wonder if the guy at the door was like, I don't need, I don't need this nonsense. And I don't, I don't blame him. Um, you know, because there's, the sign was big, right? In fact, I would have worried for his own sake that he didn't do it because his manager could have been like, you didn't do that. What did you, you know? Um, but yeah, so it's one of those things that being told, a lot of people just don't like being told no, right? I mean, to go back to other dark things, which you see in all those manifestos in general, is like these women told me no. What is this, right? Or even worse, like you know, like the, the like I imagine they would say no if I tried, 
and then, and then they just can't deal with that. So like this this whole being told no thing by someone that you think is lower than you is just it can't it can't sit. This this can't happen. Um so you know it's uh it's a problem, let's put it that way. And I think that there's a lot to be said about it's, you know, it's like, a, it's a silly thing, right? We're talking about this Karen thing and it's funny and all that, but like there's, there's, there's real lessons here that I think people can take to heart if they want to, or they can ignore and think that it's the same as the N-word. <laughs> like the, those are the choices people have. Uh, and I think that Karens are not going to listen. I don't mean literally to this. I just mean to to the arguments we're making. But I think that there are people out there who would have have at least understood that Karen isn't the same as the N-word, but could benefit from the analysis that we and others are offering about not just why it isn't the N-word, which to some people probably just seems obvious, but like what is happening when this sort of thing is happening. Because if I mentioned before, it's not too different from how people started to say that okay boomer was the same as being called the N-word or it was age discrimination or it was like, you know, it's you know, in any pithy thing from an oppressed group, uh the fact that people are able to come up with a quick retort seems to bother people. You know? That quickness, right? The pithiness. I don't know what it is about pithiness, but it really seems to upset people. Well, it's like similar to like all lives matter you know it's like it's a thing that we see we see it happen every time that somebody tries to stake out a, a corner of like resistance or recognition from themselves that another group is all like no this oppresses me and it's like no we just all exist like it's not i'm not taking anything away from you by just saying that i'm here you know um and i think that um going back to something that we were talking about earlier with like that the c word is the n word thing of like we definitely see like whitewashing happening with these kinds of discourses of being like no it's really about just oppressing women and that's like the worst part or it's about oppressing like it's like you know like the lgbtq or whatever it's like there's a reason why those like one of the reasons why those movements have been more successful in undoing structural oppression than like say the civil rights movement broadly is because white people can participate in LGBT liberation um, <laughs> in a way that they can't participate in liberation of people of color. And so it goes farther. Um, and so, yeah, I think that it's, it's very difficult when there's nobody else in the conversation than white people. There's no other sort of like group that sort of there to help them sort of carry along and use as a like touchstone the uh, all lives matter thing you know i the only people who like shouted that at me were white women um and they, i got the same argument that is happening with the karen thing where this woman who i immediately was like oh never talking to you again weird um like who i knew from running was just, she, I said something about Black Lives Matter. I didn't, you know, it wasn't just a hashtag. I just said something related to Black Lives Matter. And she goes, all lives matter. And then she has this explanation. They always have paragraphs, just paragraphs. Um, and she goes on to say like, you know who the most oppressed group in the world is? It's women. And I'm like, lady. Um, <laughs> and then she goes on this whole thing. So it's like, if people, you know, want to keep bringing up race, you know, then it's, and it's just, you know, it was like a, just all of the check boxes were, were checked off, you know, um, and I, it was surprising, it wasn't surprising that a person would do that, it's just that I'd never spoken to her about anything besides, like, she, someone I knew through running, and sometimes she would say things about running, but mention, mention, you know, we need to support Black lives, and she really had to tell me that, that, that all lives matter. Um, and it was, it was like, it, it wasn't even like I was talking to her. It's, that's the weird, that's what always, like, i no one said this to you. And to go way back to talking about being colorblind or blind choosing to construct blindness and, um, and the, this is what I wanted to say a while ago, the coding into the legal system, right? So much of the coding of white supremacy in the legal system 
or sorry, the response to it, but like talking about racism in the legal system is about intent, right? You've got to be very directly, you know, intentional in your racism. And most of that is not, is, has at least been written to various laws that you cannot be intentional about discriminating this, this, this. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means you have to hide it. Um, and of course, the problem is the impact is not considered, right? It's like you do all of these things and it turns out, well, I just, I just don't have any black people. I don't know. Um, like that is not in itself illegal depending on if there's a specific contract with your company or something like that. Um, and this whole thing where if you are yelling at people so that you want to speak to the manager and they're all black or brown, right? You could very easily convince yourself that this is not a racial act right? Because you didn't, I just, I don't see color. It's just, it just uh, was a frontline worker and they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Uh, so it's not, I don't see, don't see the color. Um, when it would be like, if you thought about it for more than a second, you would know what was happening. And so you are evading the color. Um, and th that distinction between intent and impact is a huge you know, roadblock for actually achieving real equity because um, I think we talked about insidious with white supremacy. Like, I'm not going to be that person who genuinely thinks like, you know, uh, implicit versions of racism or covert racism is necessarily worse than like, I don't want to be lynched. So like, I'm not going to sit here and say we should go back, but it's just so much harder to, to fight. You can put those things on the television and people genuinely did go, oh, hey, hey, oh, hey, uh, what's going on here? But, you, you know, the, the thing I was talking about, like where people say things and they're talking about the inner city and you're like, but like she didn't say black. So what am I, like, you know what I'm saying? She, you know, or, you know, like the, the whole thing, I don't know if you, yeah, I wrote about it on, 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 on online about my coworker who sent an email saying um, in her days as a teacher, 15 years ago, she used to play Julie Andrews for the kids. This, like so far, fine, fine. Uh, and then she said, it was hilarious to see these inner city children. And I'm like, oh. There's one, there's one flag. There it is. She said inner city millennial children, which I'm like, no, but at the time if it was like 2005 and they were kids. Yeah, they probably could have been millennials, but fine. Uh, the inner city millennial children flitting around to if millennial children raised on 50 cent, which there's a, I have a lot of thoughts about that sentence. First of all, raised on, if this was 2005, you mean they were raised in the two years he had been famous at that point. Fine. Uh, second of all, if the kid was born in like 2000, why the par parents play what they grew up with. So they, they didn't just come out and be like, now you must listen to this new rapper, three-year-old. What she meant was they listened to the hip hops is what she meant. And that was a, a rapper person that she had heard of is really what she meant. Um, and she was just saying like, and their parents would have been aghast to see them dancing to it. You know, first of all, kids like music. They don't care who it is. <laughs> they just like listen to music. And second of all, why would they have been aghast at, at Julia? Like what, 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 why, why, what, why? I just want to say, I just have questions for you. And the first one is why? Um, but like, what, if I said that, She's going to say, well, I was not intending to this, 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 right? And then it will become a bigger headache for me to point all of that out and go through this deep linguistic analysis of the dog whistles <laughs> than it would be, you know, if she had just like let out some slurs and oh, well, she just wouldn't have a job. But like, <laughs> you know, it's uh, that sort of thing. It's like that, that sort of weird, like, why would you say these things, lady? Uh, stuff is, you know, anyway, the point is my coworker is a Karen, is my point. Um, 
and and there's a lot i have a lot uh they don't listen to this that's good but they know like a lot of my coworkers are, are are that person like yeah i could i could go on about them for a while i won't do it. it's a bad idea but you know it's just like people who who you know mistake every you know the mistake everybody who's the same race for each other that sort of thing and you know people do that of all races right but to to insist that they were correct after the fact you know no one can tell me that i was wrong it's such a it's a really hard thing to undo to unpack it's like no one can ever tell me that i'm wrong and then you're like no here's why you're wrong they will not (laughs) oh you're the first person to convince me i'm wrong like it's not gonna work it's not gonna work so yeah go ahead oh do you need to wrap up no oh i was just i was really caught on your point about euphemism too because i think in some ways that also points at um some level of awareness of um what like it's so um so i have i've talked to some of my uh colleagues at cu about something like we're calling ally talk where it's like somebody who wants to perform allyhood in some way, you know, we'll say for good reasons, you know, but like, they're like very, they're hesitating on the language. Um, And so we were originally talking about it in the context of like LGBTQ terminology, like um, the speed with which someone says it, for example, can be very telling um, in how many times they've said it. And so like some people will really hesitate or like they can't remember the, um, you know, the order or whatever. And then they start to get kind of hyper aware, kind of like hyper correction um, and like LeBob and stuff like that. But like, um anyway that was not my main point my main point was just that um ah, just that like they know they do know and they and it's like for them it's just like I remember I I'll be I will admit um when I was in elementary school I thought Mexican was a slur uh because of the way people would say the word Mexican I thought that pointing out certain I mean obviously like racialized nationalities um like that, you know, it's so even, even in that context, like it was the way, the weird, careful way that people said it as though they were trying not to say the other thing. Um, and that's like, I don't know, that just seems very present. I, yeah, because I was doing some interviews for, for school um, recently, and I was interviewing white teachers. Um, and I noticed that what made me more convinced of their authenticity was that they would hesitate, but it wasn't about the racial stuff. They would hesitate when they were describing themselves and thinking about things and hesitate for reasons that were not related to these things. And because um, people do hesitate in their speech, but the uh, there were not a lot of like, you know, there's people who would just like, they're like, I can't say, I can't say black. Right? Um, and there, or, or anything where there's like a race involved, like, which way? I can't say, I can't say that. Or they're, they're like whispering or something like that. Um, and there's people who like around my family will talk about, you know, this or that in regards to race and people who've come in and been like, I don't, this is strange. <laughs> like we don't do this in my family. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean we talk about everything perfectly, you know, but like we're not like tiptoeing around identifying people because we, like, we know what we mean. So why, yeah, like, here's the thing about the email, which has been bothering me for a few days and whatever, but like, what you mean is poor black and brown kids, right? That's what you mean, right? But what you know, is that if you replaced all of your dog whistles with poor black and brown kids, you'd be in trouble. <laughs> it's like, it was hilarious to hear these poor black and brown kids. You'd be like, what are you doing, lady? <laughs> uh, you know, who were raised on who were poor black and brown kids, right? Like if you, if you put that in there every time, it would be like, hmm, you've got a real problem here. Why would you say such a thing? And I, I like to do that in my head when people like try to, tiptoe around things uh that i'm just like what if you actually said what you mean here like if you actually said that if it would sound bad with black people or whatever the group is in the place of what you said you probably shouldn't say it (laughs) 
like that like i mean or if you if you just want to be you know insulting to the group okay that's not a good thing but at least you're being you're not being disingenuous about it and i don't want those people who's like oh the open racism is better because people can misconstrue that i'm not saying it's better it's just easier to deal with i don't know to to respond to let's put it that way not deal with why am i out of breath Um, so do anyone have any, any, any other things they want to say about Karen before we, before we, we, um, we put her to bed for the, the conversation? No, nobody else has any, any thoughts on Karen. Um, I, the interesting thing about it. So here's, here's this theory I was thinking about when I was running yesterday. Don't know why. When is the first time that I think a lot of people thought of, I, I mean, obviously names are associated with, with races, but I'm saying like, because of the dominance of, you know, white people in the United States, that like a white name is considered a neutral name, right? Until, and, and another way, by the way, of people making fun of, of white people is the like, all the Braylon and Jalen names that have, you know, now when people make money, you know, they add all the, why are there nine ends? I don't know. But, um, and I think that's along the same lines of like making fun of, although there's more of a class thing there, but it's not always the same. So whatever. But the point is, um, I was thinking while I was running that the first time that I thought of a stereotypical person whose name was Becky was in Baby Got Back right? That's how the song starts. But it's not Becky talking. She's being spoken to, right? It's, oh my God, Becky. Becky's not talking, right? And I'm thinking that song is 28 years old. That's Karen. <laughs> 28 years ago, Karen was talking to Becky. And now, now she's here 28 years later. That's say, There's Karen. She was talking to Becky about the that that's what that's where it came from that's where i that's that's where i think who karen is uh she just had a lot of thoughts about sir mix a lot in 1992 that's where it came from that's my idea uh but yeah <laughs> if anybody else has anything else to say um so that's um thanks for joining me i had fun talking about all these things uh, thank you yeah, thank you. Yeah, so it's, um, I hope we can make some progress on Karen at some point, but, you know, I don't exactly think that she's going to listen. Let's put it that way. Not until Baskin Robbins opens again. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs>